gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Oh, good people. Welcome back. I am very excited today. Uh, I have a super special guest. (laughs) Very, very special guest. All the way from Australia, although now she's living in New York, but from Australia. Jeannie Saraswati, welcome. Thank you, Seiku. It's wonderful. I've always wanted to be on the truth prescription. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) You have been on the truth prescription in the background. It is your productorial skills. Productorial. I like that. that uh, I just made it up. (laughs) That have uh, helped me to bring the podcast way up from where we started. So I'm very appreciative of that. Thank you. Fantastic podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But you, in your own right, have your own great story. How you went from uh, a little child in Sri Lanka to a world-renowned executive podcast producer, but host, and uh, we'll call you lifestyle guide. Oh, I like uh, that in uh, in Australia and now in New York. Tell the people just a little bit about uh, your journey from where you came from to where you are now. Well, pretty much, thank you. I was born in Sri Lanka. In the capital city of Colombo, hence yeah. the package of the looks. Right, yeah, the package. <laughs> the package. The package. The presentation. Right. And I was born, I was a second child that came accidentally because I came 11 years after my sister. So oh. it was literally, uh, she's, she always told me this story um, on my birthday. I remember every birthday up until, unfortunately, five birthdays ago because she is uh, going through early stages of dementia. But she was telling me how I was conceived, which was a lovely story okay. to hear as a child. It was like, we didn't mean to have you. And, and she was saying, you know, I was laying there on my back, minding my own business. <laughs> and my mom stopped right there. She's like, then your father came. And I'm like, no, 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 stop, no, no, stop, more, stop, no more, no stop, more, stop, no more, no it's, more. It's like, it's like that's seared. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. There's a blackout moment there from trauma, clearly, <laughs> that I can't remember the rest of the story. <laughs> but so I was there for two and a half years and that's when the, the civil war in Sri Lanka was starting to heighten. And okay. my mum's family, she's one of 10, uh, a few of them were migrating to Australia. So my mum thought, well, let's give our daughters a great chance at life. And yeah. my dad agreed. And we uh, moved to Australia when I was two and a half. Okay. Hence the accent. And when I moved to Australia, I uh, was trying to figure out, you know, what... And also, Australia was going through a migration boom in the late 80s. So, Sri Lankans were coming in. But in the area that where I was, was very inner city and very Caucasian. So, not many people look like me. Okay. And I remember that few kids were asking me, you know, why are you brown? I'm like, well, how do I answer that question? Right. And can you imagine if Beyonce was around at that time? Like how easy my <laughs> life would be. It's like, yeah. just look at her. Right. right I woke up like this, right? Right. right. <laughs> <You know>? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't have that luxury of having Beyonce or, or brown people around. But when we moved to the suburbs, because I grew up in Northcote and we moved to Clayton, which had is like a big hub for Sri Lankan Indian people. So there's plenty of us around. I'm like, okay, right. cool. Right. But um, I guess like any uh, immigrant child, especially from the South Asian um, area, we were trying to figure out, well, we've moved to a Western country. How do we kind of navigate through what your parents expect of you? Because they still bring the values with them. And this sure. is what people forget when they come to a Western area. It's like, you know, 
people bring their values with them, you know, right. whether it be their religious beliefs or whatnot, they bring it with them. And, you know, in Sri Lanka, marriage and status were really heralded uh, quite highly because mm-hmm. I guess the mentality of that generation and still now is survival, right? Because Ma- Marriage as a means to status or marriage in itself and then status in terms of your economic movement in the, in the society? Both, I think. I think okay. if you're not married, there's a perception that there's something wrong with you or there's there's something not quite right there or if you don't have a job that is of stature they think why didn't you go down that path so it's mm-hmm. like doctor lawyer engineer and thing else is Dr. like lawyer engineer well yeah that's I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's a lot in a lot of cultures you do really well in Sri Lanka sake yeah yeah <laughs> they'd want to adopt you straight away <laughs> <laughs> can you be my son <laughs> you're like okay, okay. <laughs> but one thing I do love about the culture there is there is I mean I don't know what the intention is for when they put this in, but every time it's a predominantly Buddhist country. So when there is a full moon or Wesak, there's a huge celebration there. And they actually encourage when there's a full moon, the country gets a day off to go to temple oh. to reflect. So I'm like, I really dig that, that they are kind of putting in this free holiday type to practice spirituality. I don't know if it's executed, but that's one of the things I love about Sri Lanka. But they're not doing that in Australia, though. <laughs> not, you, not don't a, get, you don't get a day off. On no. The, no. Okay. Yeah. So I, I <laughs> we moved to to Clayton, which was I was trying to navigate through, you know, what I was expected to do as a child. You know, you were seeing people around, like my cousins and everyone. They were getting high grades, and the, you, they were looking to. It's like, oh, you know, you should do medicine or you should do this. So I'm like, okay, maybe I need to be a doctor. Mm. So in seventh or eighth grade, I. I was getting into science as a very shy, kind of quiet child in year seven and year eight. And then year nine, I met my best friend, who's still to date my best friend, Antoinette. Mm. She was really outgoing and very happy and vibrant. I'm like, oh, wow, like this this person. <laughs> I've never seen anyone like this before. And I guess I guess she was the first person who made me feel like it was okay to be myself. And she's Australian. She's Australian, Australian. yeah. She's okay. half Filipino, half Australian, but she was okay. born in Australia. So... When I met her, I, you know, I started coming out of my shell a little bit and then this creative side of, side of me started to come out a little bit. You know, I, I was doing productions. I was on stage at school plays and nice. this is the quiet girl who, you know, used to be, didn't really say much in class, puts her hand up for mitochondria, that's it. But, but yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> and then after there I um, started getting a love for theatre and drama. So when I graduated from high school I did a creative arts degree in performing arts and cinema studies. I Ooh. I ran into a radio station called Joy 94.9 online. They were giving out free courses to train people in radio and I thought, well, I've got theatre and film covered. I'll mm. explore the voice space. Sure. And I remember when and I... How, how old were you around then? I was about 19, 20. Okay. Around that right. time. So uh, I fresh. thought... Fresh. You were very, fresh. <laughs> I was very fresh. Yes. I uh, remember going online and filling out the form and it asked you, you know, what do you want to achieve from this course? I remember ticking everything but being on air. Like I did not want to get behind the microphone. Mm. I don't know why because I did stage plays and I was fine in front of an audience but I thought, no, this is getting – radio is a very intimate space and people forget that sometimes because – you know, it's just you. You're very raw and you're talking to someone and even you don't know who's listening. You don't know who you're talking to really. Right. So I thought I didn't want to get behind the microphone. If you, if you think about it, it's like the microphone is almost like somebody's ear, right? Exactly. And when you're talking in somebody's ear, it gets no more intimate than that. Exactly. It's so true. <laughs> it, could even, that- it could even be sensual. <laughs> talking in my ear. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it's so true. So it is. A, it, it is very personal. You're right. And I think also, you know, we were told, oh, you know, people listen to the radio with uh, at most a meter away from all oh, that's right in their ear. It's it's a very intimate kind yeah. of even listening space too. And I remember the program director at the time was like, "You've got a little bit too much personality to be behind the scenes. Let's get you in front of the microphone." So I remember <laughs> scripting my entire show. So that's where my journey in radio began. And how long were you at at Joy ninety four point nine? I was there on and off for 10 years. Wow. 10 years. Wow. So wow. Amazing. In, in that time, I, I had a morning show, which was on a Wednesday, which okay. was across two different shows. I did some drive shows at the time and I met okay. some really amazing people. Right. Like I got to interview Paula Abdul, which awesome. I grew up watching her Opposites Attract film clip on video yeah. hits. So it was yeah. really cool. I'm like, where's the cartoon cat? <laughs> right. Did you bring right. him along? Right. She's like, no, he <laughs> couldn't make it to Australia this time. Um, and, you know, I, I think from there too, you know, that's where what I really loved about that experience primarily is because I started quite young right. while I was yeah. at college or university. Sure. You kind of put into a practice or practicality, really, like yeah. how to build relationships because they don't teach you that at school. No. They don't teach you how you build relationships, how to work. They don't teach you how you progress in certain skill sets. They give everything to you. So yes. That, yes. that missing link is you got to figure that out. Yes. And so I'm grateful that I got to figure it out while I was at school. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, so tell me, how did you – you went from there. Now, how did you get into – um, podcasting, like producing podcasts, having your own podcast, and then you can wrap us back around to where the hell did Boeing come in? <laughs> Boeing, I like Boeing. That. <laughs> I'm playing, you worked for Boeing. So talk to us about that because I, I, I was saying this to you off mic, but I think it's important to repeat that one of the things I really like about you is we're kindred spirits in the sense that we're both nerds with a, who have a, a creative side. Exactly. And, uh, Shh, don't tell people. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> you know, we 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 realize that we cannot live our truest life and, and our truest selves without making sure that that's expressed on a deep level, the mm. creative the, the creative side. So anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> you continue. So uh, the so how I got into podcasting was so when um, obviously Apple released the smartphone and podcast were around or podcasts started to be more popular, it was very common for networks. What they would do is they would cut up the audio from a particular interview that the host and the guest would have on air and they'd turn it into a podcast. So it's like an on-demand type radio setting was created. And I noticed when when I did my first breakfast show that a lot of our listeners because of a lot of our listeners were from America and a lot of them because our breakfast show was probably around lunchtime, LA time, drive time, New York time. Okay. Um, a lot of them were listening to the podcast but not actually the radio show. And I thought this is interesting. It was actually – I didn't realise this back then but I was actually noticing patterns of attention being mm. commoditized now and traditional media and how it all worked. So over the 10-year span, you know, I was – I ended up at Boeing at a, at a full-time job too because <laughs> as an engineer so um it, yeah it's not 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 quite an engineer but it I ended up working for Boeing for nearly four and a half years okay and the thing is I can understand why people fear leaving a job that provides so much because Boeing was a it's a great job it pays yeah. well yeah. the work isn't so stressful you get to be around manufacturing aircraft like yeah. they're the most amazing cool. yeah 
vehicles that I, I've ever seen or I've ever yeah. heard of. Everyone talks about aircraft and they're fascinating, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, But the thing is, and as you mentioned before, Sekou, the creative side, the, the real fire within you, Yes, you need to keep fueling that. Yes. And sometimes for me it doesn't necessarily have to be Boeing but whatever expressions of your day job or what those jobs are in your nerdy or intellectual side or whatever <laughs> it may be, it doesn't fuel that fire. Yeah. So um, it's really creativity that does and there's so many, you know, spiritual teachings that talk about your inner child and your creativity and everything like that that comes sure. from, you know, that young part of yourself that wants to have fun that kind of gets bogged down when you do adult stuff. Right. So I think for me uh, with the podcast pattern that I was noticing, my second breakfast show that I did when that was wrapping up, I noticed like in radio is tends to be a lot of politics. And I'm not saying this is specific to Joy, but I think in general, because obviously you have advertisers, there's rules, there's broadcasting regulations that you got to follow. Sometimes you you can't. You have a boss. Exactly. And (laughs) and sometimes you can't say everything you want to say. But for me to be me, I need to be sure that I have the entire responsibility on me. So I think when our show was wrapping up Rise Up, I thought, you know what? I think I need to go in a new direction. And a podcast made sense because okay. now that every podcast and now so many people listen to it while they commute, but audio, the audio space is so fascinating. Because like we were saying before, it's intimate and also it allows you to listen while doing something else. It's the only communication medium other than, so there's three out there, right? You can read something, you can watch something or you can listen to something. Mm. But audio really is the only communication space that allows you to do two things at once. That's true. And I've that's why, that. yeah, that's why I think as we get quicker and more efficient over time, which will happen with technology as it's happening now, yeah. more companies are selling us back time and we're buying it. We're like, oh, okay, Amazon, give, Amazon selling time better than anyone. Yeah. Like when you think about it with yeah. deliveries and, and, you know, Prime and everything and Alexa. Yeah, you know, am, these companies, it's so interesting. These companies, you, you know, Amazon, Fresh Direct, even dominoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> why are they why are they successful? It's it's time, but it's also convenience. Yeah. That's their what's the, that's what they're really selling you. They're selling you convenience. They're not selling the actual product. I can get a better tasting pizza in Brooklyn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I live in Jersey. I can get a better tasting pizza at my favorite pizza spot I, I went to when I was in high school in yeah. Brooklyn. I can get the same product from Amazon, maybe the same price, maybe a little bit cheaper, but I won't save that time. Yeah. And it's not as convenient. Because I can order something and then, you know, do something else and then before you know it. Oh, I'm noticing you have tiger's eye. I'm I do like, have oh, tiger's okay. eye. <laughs> there you go. All right, I, you you you're doing it today. I'm I doing see it you. Today. Okay. <laughs> All right, I di- I digress. Anyway, but it's convenience that they're selling. Yeah, and that's yeah. why you think of Seven Elevens. Their whole yeah. business model is based on convenience. Yes, right. You absolutely. can buy a five dollar chocolate bar there, or you can go to CVS and get it for two dollars, which is right. So exactly. So it is convenience and time. And I think when you uh, I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk a lot, and he talks about how. With humans, when you think about how we operate, obviously we love to express ourselves, hence where our creative side comes in where we need to express that. Another thing we love to do, another thing that's priority to us is obviously the health and well-being of ourselves, the health and well-being of our families, and then probably the third thing is time. Like mm. why do we pay so much tolls on highways to get someplace yeah. quicker? Because to save time. Right. So I think yeah. when you look at humanity as a whole yeah. – where we're going, yeah. audio is going to be a very interesting space. So beautiful. So we're in the right space. We are in we're the right, in the right space. space at the right time. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm glad you're on this journey with me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so you now you live in New York. I live in New York. Talk about the move to New York. 
why you came and uh, what are your goals while you're here? Well, when I was at Joy, we covered a few events on the West Coast. Uh, Dinosaur, Joy being an LGBT station, me being uh, a member of the LGBT community too. Really? I didn't know that. I didn't know. No, I love, 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 <laughs> love one particular woman at the moment. But yes, I, <laughs> I'm a girl's girl. Okay. But, um, so we came to cover a few shows, on a few events on the West Coast and Dinosaur is the biggest girls' party in the world. Sure. It's, it's had people like Shaka Khan perform, uh, Natasha Bedingfield, Katy Perry, Lady yeah. Gaga. Like it's amazing. Like yeah. it's an amazing space for kind of girls to get together and, and celebrate who they are and, and be in a space where they feel safe. So I came to New York the first time in 2011 and I remember when we landed here, we it was we were on a V Australia, now Virgin Australia, they called that flight. And I remember we got here about eleven or twelve at night. Yeah. And I was pretty tired because it's a long, it's a twenty-two hour flight when yeah. you add up all the time, right? I remember we were in the cab onto the way to the hotel. I didn't pay attention much to what was going around, but we stepped out of the hotel and we were right in the middle of Times Square. And I'm thinking, wow, this place uh. is just amazing and yeah. just the energy of the city was yeah. like wow you just I remember I always got up early and my co-host who was traveling with she kind of slept in a little bit so mm. I got up early walked around just soaked up all the energy sure. and I'm like this city is just I just feel so alive like where did this come from it's like all this energy was yeah. injected into me hustler's paradise yeah and I think what I think something really shifted in me that time because I was like I, I would love to live here like mm. I really put that intention out into the universe and yeah. I remember when I got back to Australia my family, my friends, and my work colleagues said, you look different. And I, my, I later found out that that was actually a soul shift in me. Mm. Like it was something changed in me that day that stayed with me yeah. and I think manifested to me having a partner who lives in New York right. and manifesting me getting work in New York <laughs> and meeting people like yourself and right. producing podcasts for people right. in New York. So yeah. that's kind of what happened, Seiku. I think that Beautiful. was the trigger point. <laughs> Beautiful. 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 All right. Well, let's jump in. Truth prescription. Ooh. You like it? I love it. Okay. <laughs> Truth prescription. For those listening for the first time, uh, this is the podcast where we deal with truth. And the basic premise is that truth is the only way to true and lasting success. Accepting truth is the only way to true and lasting success. So, Jeannie, I'm not going to give you a choice. We're going to do personal first. <laughs> I usually give them a choice. I'm not giving a choice today. Give us a personal truth story um, mm-hmm. where you realized there was a truth that you were ignoring, and you might have touched on it already in, in, you know, in your intro, that once you accepted that truth, you were able to move past certain barriers and lead you down the, the true path, Genie's <laughs> true path. This is personal. Personal, okay. I, I like how you didn't give me an option this time. <laughs> <laughs> Every guest picks professional first, and I'm like, okay, exactly. let's just do personal. I would say, now this, I'll explain when I say this truth. Mm. It's okay to like your own music too. Now, okay. music I'm using as a metaphor mm-hmm. for your own path. Mm-hmm. So when I was growing up, the music that was played to me was you go to school, you go to high school, you go to university, you get a job that's either a doctor, lawyer or engineer. engineer right? You marry a man who's Catholic. You have <laughs> kids. You buy a house. Oh, sorry, you, buy, you marry a man, buy a house, have kids and repeat. That pattern. That's that's the music that I was played. Mm. That's the music my parents were played. That's mm. the music their parents were played. 
Well, hold on a second. Why Catholic? I thought I thought it was uh, Buddhist. B- Buddhism was well, the big religion in Sri Lanka. This is the thing. So my dad's Buddhist. My mum's Catholic. And this is something I always pulled her up. I'm like, you married a Buddhist. Why are you telling me to marry a Catholic? She's like, well, uh, you know how that turned out. I got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, oh, they, oh, they divorced? <laughs> divorced. So Hilarious. my parents got divorced when I was four. Interesting. So it's like, you see, this is how it turns out, you know. <laughs> I got divorced to your father. He's. I'm like. I don't think you got divorced from him because he's a Buddhist. Right. <laughs> I think right. there's other things that right. are going on Clearly. there, mom. So that. So growing up, okay. that's the music that I was playing. Sure. And I think when you're used to listening to a certain kind of music, like you know, if I come up with making my own music, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. They're like, no, no, ours is better. Mm-hmm. I. I think it took me a while to learn that. It's okay for me to like my own music. It's okay for me to go on my own path, sure. even though no one else in my family has lived that path. Yeah. I mean, me moving to New York and leaving Boeing, mm. a good job, a Huge. day job. Huge. They were like, why would you leave Boeing? Right. And I understand where they're coming from because their music, and this is where I deploy the empathy, their music has worked for them in mm. whatever way, yeah. whether it, it ticks all their boxes, and I have empathy for that. Or is it really working for them? Well, I don't know if they're ready to look at that. <laughs> but I think, but I, I hope they do one day. And I really hope that for anyone, really, that they look yeah. at what it's really, what price you're actually paying. It's. I think it works for a part of you, right? But then what part is in the corner dying? Exactly. Exactly. And I think for me, you know, for me to move to another country on the other side of the world, Oof. pursue my own Big. business endeavors, it's like, you don't even know what's going to happen. What if there's a market crash? I'm like, so there's a market crash. I'll deal yeah. with it then. Yeah. I think it's another truth that came from, you know, liking it's okay to like your own music is you've really got to, to a point, care about what people think and not care about what they think. You've got to yeah. find that middle ground. That's good. Because yeah. I think what happens is when you do get to that center, which what all spiritual teaching sort of, you've got to find your center, right, which is a balance between caring and not caring, mm. it gets very quiet. And then you know exactly where you're going. And yeah. that's what's happened to me when I've come to New York of all places, which is a pretty noisy, busy, loud place. <laughs> yeah. It's very quiet for me. Like I know exactly what I'm doing, exactly where I'm going. And, you know, I my intention is I want to be in a creative space. And yeah. I don't know what that looks like. I'm open yeah. to what it looks like. Yeah. Every day is different. But that's... That's for me. That makes me feel alive. It's funny. You said you want to be in a creative space and we're here recording. Exactly. In a... In a <laughs> Very one, of the, one of the most creative spaces I know, <laughs> you know, it's in, amazing. In, in utero studios, <laughs> got, uh, you know, full, full recording equipment, editing suite, pictures on the wall, color, right? Feels good in here, and right? The couch, especially. <laughs> the purple like, couch? The purple, I've got to say though, this couch, like, this space is just amazing. Like you just wouldn't want to leave here. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. amazing space. Yeah. So <laughs> your, my point is your dream came true. Thank you. Manifestation. Moment. The manifestation. <laughs> All right. So that was the personal. Yeah. That, that was the personal? That was the personal. That was personal. Professional. Now, you're doing a lot, right? <laughs> I remember the other day I was downloading a um, a show to your computer and I saw like your, you know, 1,800 clients. <laughs> I was like, 1800. I was like, shit, no wonder she can't, uh, sometimes don't respond to my calls <laughs> or stuff gets late or stuff gets delayed because uh, she's got a lot of stuff, a lot of things she's doing. You got a lot of clients, a lot of podcasts you're producing, and you're producing your own podcast, Monday Mocha, um, which is you know a fabulous show, uh, great concept. In in all the things that you're doing, 
Um, and probably some things I don't know about. Yeah. Tell us some some truth, some 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 truth that you had to deal with. Well, technically, I'm producing two podcasts: the Ginny Show and Monday Muck a bit. Uh, I get you. I get you. Second. I get you. But um, a personal, a professional truth. I think Seku, this could actually interchange into a personal world. But yeah. I find that this particular truth that I discovered is probably a cornerstone in your personal growth too. I think you've got to audit your inner circle, the mm. people that you spend your most time with. Mm. And the people in your life and, and the people that you let into your space. Yeah. I don't know if you see this sign. I think it was on Oprah or my partner has it in her apartment and one of my best friends has it in her apartment. But it says, please take responsibility for the energy that you bring into this space. Mm. And I wow. think that's awesome. I think you should put one up here too. That's actually, awesome. Because this is your creative haven. Sure. And Absolutely. You I don't find that. You're yeah, right. Yeah. And you're burning, uh, you know, beautiful you know, uh, incense and stuff. But I think that's a, I think that applies to your life too or any space that you share because I mm. think if you look at the people in your life and if there's, if you see so much good in them, then you know that they're in your life for a reason and sure. you know that you're learning and getting value from them and vice versa because yeah. when I look at my inner circle, there's something in each and every person that inspires me. Mm. There's something in each and every person that, I really admire mm. and there's something in them that I love. But if you're around someone who has the opposite effect and they've been in your life for 10, 20 years, I know it's hard because you have that attachment. Sure. But I think you really need to audit how much value you're giving each other because there is a part of you as we're all mirrors that will be reflected in them. Mm. And whether you're ready to address it or not could involve actually being like, you know what? It's been a great 20 years. Thank you. Namaste. <laughs> right. But bye, Felicia. You know? Right, right. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Adios. Right. <laughs> Auditing one's uh, inner circle. Mm. That's why I love asking on Monday Mocker to my guests, you know, who are the five most people that you spend time with. <laughs> yes. And I botched that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was but, like, uh, uh, Denzel uh, Washington. Den- <laughs> yeah, Denzel. Me and him. Bro, with Denzel? It's awesome. <laughs> Hilarious. Something I've never thought about, but it, it's it's definitely important. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's jump into some questions. Here we go. I didn't really prepare any questions. <laughs> I'm just going to ask something off the top. You know, something interesting. I'm just going to speak on this. Something interesting I found about, I've known this for a couple of years, but I thought about it this morning, Australia. A lot of people don't know Australia was actually started as a British penal colony that uh, originally it was, you know, you have the Aboriginal people that were living there that are still living there similar to our Native American population. And uh, Britain decided, well, you know what? We don't feel like dealing with these, uh, you know, these murderers and these thieves, so we're just going to send them to Australia. And they were, they were there for some period of time. And I, I always thought that was a very interesting way for a country to start, you know? Yes, we were started with the <laughs> highest moral ground, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you being, uh, you know, a brown, you talked about it a little bit, but you being a brown person, a brown person yeah. as am I, Living in in a country, you know, with that history, what were some of the things that you did to sort of navigate that society and try to find your space? That's an interesting question, Seiko, because I get a a lot of questions, especially since I've moved here, like, oh, what's the racism stance in Australia? Okay. And in my experience, I think it's because of the community that I was in, I didn't experience much racism. But this is the thing, though, right, and this is my belief – if racism is happening in the world or if it's happening in dialogue or whatnot, there might be a percentage, whether it be 0.001% of mm. it in your world, and it might be very faint, like a little comment or it might be a little mm. belief. Uh. But um, I think growing up and navigating through that for me, like I said to you when I first got to Australia, they were like, oh, 
why are you brown? And I remember <laughs> one of my first memories of preschool was this boy was building this, I don't know what he was, it was something out of Lego. And I walked over to him and I was really excited to show him what I'd built. And he just gave me a weird look and walked away. Now, mm. the belief I formed around that moment was maybe there's something wrong with me, which I've worked through. But I think for him it could have been, he's like, who is this brown person? Mm. Why are they brown and why are they showing me something? So I think yeah. over time as I got more comfortable with myself and where I grew up too, it was a very multicultural society. And Melbourne, much like New York, it's like I think it's over 260 cultures there. Wow. So it's a pretty open place. And I have to say Australia, as much as as much as much I bag how, you know, they're 16 hours in front because they need to catch up to everything <laughs> that is happening in the world. Right. I think it's pretty harmonious in that sense. Yeah. but. When the Aboriginal story that you were talking about, how, yeah. you know, convicts came from England and, you know, that's how our country started. Yeah. I think it's been a it's a been a huge sore spot in our history too. Because yeah. I don't I think now with the awareness growing, it's not something that we're proud of. Yeah. And okay. We're obviously attached to it being Australian, you know. So sure. it's it's not something that we're proud of. Hope that yeah. answers your question. You know, <laughs> when when your roots are from something that painful. Yeah. It's just interesting how, because, you know, you look at the roots of a tree, the tree bears the trunk, the trunk bears the the, the branches and the leaves, et cetera. So there's always going to be a little piece of it in there somewhere, even if you're not necessarily aware of it, because you, like you said, the area that you were in was quite harmonious. Yeah. You know, possibly maybe there are other areas that weren't quite, quite so. And I don't know a lot about the Aboriginals, only that similar to a Native American population, they're pretty much kind of suppressed and pushed to the outskirts mm. even today. Um, so it's an interesting, interesting conversation. Yeah. All right. What else is going on? What else you, what, what else you want to talk about? <laughs> what else? Well, I'd like to talk about how I think there is a lot of fear around living a creative life. Mm. And this is something I try yeah. to touch on my podcast too. So for you being a physician, I don't mean to turn this around into uh, that's all right. with Dr. Seku Gathers, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm answering the questions. <laughs> yeah. no, go ahead. But um, I think a lot of, a lot of comments and feedback I get from my podcast is that the other day I got an Instagram message from a girl saying, I listened to your podcast where you were talking about moving countries. And obviously yeah. you had to work through some fear there. And you know, yeah. it does come up for me because if it's something you've never done, yeah. Naturally, your human in the human in you goes, and your ego go ego just panics because yep. yep. your ego wants security and wants to protect you. Yeah, exactly. That's the point of it, yep. and that's that's how your ego serves you. But your soul's like, no, no, you got to go. Like, yeah, th- there's nothing stopping me. So I think what I'd love to talk about is how how you work through some fear that way. Because mm. for me, I mean, it's easy for me to say you just do it. You just have yeah, to do it. But right. there's there's so many things that come up for different people. It's like oh, I've got a house. I've got this. I've got yeah. that. Couple of things. I mean, I think you you have to first be very aware of your physical body, what you're feeling, right? So once you you acknowledge, all right, well, I'm afraid right now, and this fear is stopping me. I mean, for me, what I used to do is I would um, purposely put myself in uncomfortable situations, in, in little, like little, do little things. You know, it, it would be uncomfortable for me. For somebody else, it might be stupid, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, let's say. Uh, Oh, I'll give you a perfect example. So <clears throat> yesterday I was uh, seeing this patient and she had a she had an issue. And uh, we, we found out she didn't know that she was pregnant. Uh, so the nurse I was working with, she was like, um, well, you tell her. I was like, why? You can tell her. You, you know, you're a healthcare professional just like I am. And she was like so afraid of this little thing of telling this woman that she was pregnant. So I was like, 
right, let's go. Come with me. You tell her and I'll stand there. Yeah. So she told her. We went out. The, you know, the woman had a reaction. We went out of the room and I was like, see, that wasn't so, you know, so bad. And I think I've d- done things like that for myself, small things. I even done something crazy. I, I would take uh, sometimes. And again, this is all practice for being comfortable with the uncomfortable. I would take a cold shower. Just standing under the water. It's one of the most uncomfortable things you could ever experience, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But once you start to breathe and get through it, actually something amazing happens. Your body heats up. My body would heat up to the to the temperature so that to a specific temperature so that the water was no longer cold. And so doing those things, it just and then the other thing is I always recognize whenever I did something, you know, to put myself out there, something wonderful always happened. Always. Yeah. Always, always. Yeah. I can't. I, if I could say all, oh, nobody wants to listen to me say it always a thousand times on this podcast. But if I could, I would. <laughs> always, whenever I put myself out there in, into into the world to do something uncomfortable, um, something beautiful always happens. So I just think, first of all, you have to be um, gentle with yourself. You have to have patience with yourself. You can't be like your parents, uh, yelling and screaming and berating and and criticizing. You know, you've got one self. Mm-hmm. You got to love yourself. You got to be gentle with yourself. Exactly. And um, it's a process. Like Rome was built in a day, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say baby steps at practicing putting yourself in situations that are uncomfortable. So then you get to a point where you have a little bit of muscle and you're like, you know, I'm just making something. You're like, you know what? I want to I wanna move to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to go to Toronto and yeah. shoot a film. You just start putting pieces in place to make it happen. And you feel the discomfort, but you you know that it's not real. Yeah. You know, you know it's not real. And I think that's what those those if you really analyze those situations, those when you put yourself in those situations, when you come out on the other side, you realize that everything that the whole story you created about how terrible this was gonna be, or this terrible feeling you had was just phony. It was nothing real about it at all. It's like <clears throat> what you mentioned there was the story that you tell, like I was talking about that boy who looked at my Lego thing and turned away. The story right. I told myself was, there's something right. wrong with me. Right. But what actually happened was right. he just turned away. That's it. And didn't look at my, that, that, that's what happened. Facts. That right. was, so facts. it's very true what you just said there, yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard, man. You know, it's funny, when I was on your show, you asked me a question. <laughs> and uh, I thought, and, and I had the answer, but I didn't know I had the answer. Yeah. Question was something like, you know, how does, it was something like that, how do you be successful? But it was like, how do you, I don't even remember what the question was now, but I just I remember what it was. I just remember the answer is really it's about healing. You know, we, we all have shit, emotional scars, problems, issues, mm. whatever you want, bad karma, whatever you want to call it. We yeah. all have things that are old that are stopping us from moving forward that are also related to the fear. So I think, you know, recognizing and realizing that and, and trying to address those, you know, those those issues, those Points of pain, as I call them, points of pain, P.O.P., points of pain. <laughs> yeah. Um, that also frees up because this stuff is just energy. It's, it's, it's just blocking you. And I think along with what I said before about putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations, beginning to heal yourself, heal your soul will also start to open you up and you realize you won't even have these thoughts anymore yeah. because you're, you're you're sort of getting past. Sometimes you just need a good cry. <laughs> you know what I'm it's saying? It's so true. Just to let some shit yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I actually find an indicator for me when I'm in that space, and I my spiritual teacher Shakti Durga calls it the victim mentality, mm-hmm. where you don't take accountability for what's going on. Yeah, if you're spiraling, you just need to actually sit down and say, you know what, what is actually going on? 
Yeah. How did I contribute to this? Mm-hmm. How can I get past this? Because yeah. otherwise I find that if you don't start do- or taking those steps, yeah. you just keep spiraling. Yeah. And it's like a tape recorder going over and yeah. over and over again. Yeah, and you get stuck. Yeah. Yeah, I read somewhere once that the, the universe hates um, indecision. So it's like either, you know, it's go so one true. way or the other. <laughs> so, right? oh, and if you so, don't, it'll do it. So stop yeah. this spiraling because yeah. spiraling is indecision. Yeah. Either, yeah. you know, decide you're going to do this or decide you're going to do that. Yeah. But do something. Yeah. You know, because the universe doesn't operate in indecision. Everything is very, very definitive and specific. You know, if you look at nature, it happens the same way every year, every time. Yeah. You know, when rain comes out the sky, it comes out the sky, it hits the ground. When it stops, it stops. You know, it may yeah. start up again, but it's starting up for a specific amount of time. When the sun comes up, it comes up and goes down at a specific interval every single year, 365 days. Yeah. So let's jump into a little a yes or BS. Ooh. I don't have many for you today. <laughs> Number one, Australian girls are hotter than American. <laughs> I don't know how to answer this one because I'm going to get in trouble either way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love dear. it when I get them. I love it when I get them. Yes, or BS. So Australian girls are hotter than American girls. Yes, that's the question. I'm going to answer it this way. <laughs> yes, ish, BS. Thank you, Tanisha oh, you're Wood. Still, you're stealing Tanisha Wood. Shout out to yes, Tanisha ish, Wood. Shout out to you. I'm going to go, only one American girl is hotter than the Australian girls. All right. There you go. All right. You, you, you got it. <laughs> Number two, internet radio and podcasts will eventually overtake standard AMFM radio. Yes. Okay, I think we spoke on that. I, I think, yeah, yes. Hell yes. Number three, the Aboriginal people of Australia are worse off than African American, than, than American blacks. Oh, I don't want to say, I think, I think they're both going through their oppressions. So, yeah. The, in terms of the, the, Police shootings we're having here, yeah. where African American, mostly men, are being shot and killed by police officers. Does that kind of thing happen in Australia uh, with our, the Aboriginal population? Not gun. Our gun laws are pretty strict, so uh, shootings aren't. So our when we had our first, I mean, I think, police police carry guns though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. there's actually not that much shooting, even with police. Like, I don't think our police shoot straight away. I think they're taught to shoot as a self-defense, last, last resort, last resort. Um, okay. type thing. So it doesn't, I don't hear about Aboriginal shootings there because okay. gun laws first and foremost. And a lot of them don't have communities anymore and a lot of their culture and a lot of their identity is built around their tribe and okay. their community. So when sure. that split up, which unfortunately happened in the history of Australia and when, you know, the British started settling there, I think you lose your sense of identity. It actually seems more akin to our Native American population yeah. in terms yeah. of what you talked about with the tribalism. Yeah. yeah. Number four. Buddhism is limited. BS. <laughs> that's, that's hell BS. <laughs> All right. Okay. There we go. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Listen, I'm good. I don't have, I, you know, normally I have a whole litany of yes or BS. I, I, I'm, I'm good today. I I'm think good. That, I, that's, I, think, I, think we're, I think we're good. I think we had a good dose of truth um, today. Jeannie, tell the people how they can reach out, how they can contact you. So you can find me at The Ginny Show at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and clearly I'm very narcissistic to name a show after me. So find me at The Ginny Show <laughs> or you can drop me an email at ginny at ginny.com.au. And uh, thank you, Seiku, for my truth prescription dose. <laughs> well, you gave all the dosages. <laughs> I was just holding a syringe. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, people. 
Thank you once again for listening. Uh, please subscribe. Please comment if you like the show. If you don't like the show, please make some comments. And uh, we will see you in two weeks. As I always say, truth will set you free. If you let it.